system, teaching in several parts of the country. His roles in both administration and teaching have facilitated a great deal of research inside the educational system, giving him insights into the intricacies of that system. His first full-length novel, Prisoner of Paradise, was published in December of 2003. Since then, he's continued to travel, focusing his research on education, primarily targeting the cause of what is now being perceived as this country's educational collapse. Anyway, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Let's start with the big question. Tell us about this book, please. Well, it's not a quiet book, but it exposes, like you said, the hypocrisies behind the system's failed attempt on better education, and it explains why the millions of dollars spent are bandaged solutions that have attempted to fix gaping wounds while the problem becomes uncontrollable. Like I said, the book exposes the realities of the education system. It doesn't cover up, but the exposing realities that are the hidden secrets of the facts around the corruption that is now the education system. How the education system sold itself for government funding and how the federal government succeeded in its power grab taking away the state's right on education. So who did you write this book for specifically? Well, I wrote it for the American public because they have a right to know, but specifically to the millions of frustrated parents that don't know why their problems go unanswered in the bureaucracy, in a system that seems only concerned about its own political agenda. But the book also addresses teachers, educators, and politicians, and it sends a clear message saying that the American public has a right to better education, and that the government's the role of government itself does not have the right to seal that right away from its citizens. God clearly stated by Midwest Book Review, they simply put it this way, informed and informative, if it's broken, don't fix it, should be considered mandatory reading for parents, teachers, administrators, politicians, and readers concerned with the state of education in America today. So what is the central message or perhaps the underlying theme that runs throughout this book? Well, the theme is centered around education for the sake of learning. In other words, for a child's future with parents and educators in control, not the central government. That is the message. We must send a clear message to the federal government that says we're capable of educating our own children as we see fit. Our states are capable, our towns are capable, our districts are capable, our communities and our states have the right to self-sovereignty and must never be mandated by a system that would set itself as a dominating force. There is still time to stop the mandates. There is still time to stop the regulation system known as the Common Core. And there is still time to realize what has happened in the education system itself. Many people can come together and, and use their voices to unite, but the window of opportunity is closing. And if we shut our eyes and pretend nothing is happening, then our chances to stop this government rape on education will be gone. If you had to choose, what would you say is the most important idea you're sharing in this book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? Hope. Hope, Don. That's the hope that you can feel you and I can make a difference. The system itself means to strip away hope, to tell parents there's nothing that can be done for their children except to label them as some disability and place them in another federal-funded program that will continue to fail. But there is hope. We can take back the education system, parents can unite, teachers can be ignited with the fire they once had, and we can win. 
Some parents are already doing it. Some teachers have even taken over local education in their failing districts. And there are many ways and many solutions. But the time to act is now. The doors are shut if the federal government dictates its policies. If you could compare this book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? Michael Savage. Michael Savage is writing a book right now. Uh, well, he finished writing a book. He exposes the federal government's attempt on power grab on every one of our rights in the nations. Glenn Beck wrote a book. Sean Hannity wrote a book. Even Rush Limbaugh. Mark Levin was just saying a couple of episodes ago when I was listening to his show about how the government has taken over every sector of our economy, of our medical issues, of the education system. The government wants to come in buy us out, take over, and have us subject to itself. Now, if our education system spends millions and millions of dollars on education, then why is our nation being outperformed by, say, China? I mean, where's all that money going? The money is going back into the system. That's the secret. This is a business. It's a non-profit entity that is supposed to only be centered around our children's education. But the reality is, the reality is that it is a business set on self-preservation. It was shocked the reader and the listener to find out how many times I was sat down and told by a principal, by an administrator, or by some other person in charge that the bottom line is the money. The system doesn't care about our children. It doesn't care about your child. It doesn't care about outperforming China or by any other third world country for that matter that it falls behind. It doesn't care that we are failing, failing, and failing. The bottom line is revenue. So while countries like China outperform us, not only in our test scores, but by the amount of scientists that they produce, the United States cuts its spending on programs like the space race and directs the money towards non-operational solutions. Why are our students failing despite all these efforts? Well, to explain this, let's go back to the tragedy of No Child Left Behind. For the past 12 years, we witnessed the incredible landslide in test scores. We saw countless uh, numbers of our nation's school go into program improvement and yet fail. And we saw devastating cuts that set teachers packing. Our response to this crisis was to create uh, agencies to fill the gap. But those efforts did nothing to raise our scores. Why not? You see, once you understand that the system is a business set up on self-gain and self-preservation, then the mystery makes sense. It became even more profitable to fail than to succeed. While schools were failing, new, more expensive programs were created to replace them. Offices of education were set up with surplus budgets to take care of our nation's failing youth, but these programs charged the taxpayer a bill of nearly $50,000 per student, compared to only 15000 per student in the regular programs. And since these agencies were not regulated like regular districts, they had a blank check to do whatsoever they please without needing to be held accountable to anyone. In fact, the federal law states that these kind of agencies do not have to post yearly budgets or expenditures at all. You can see the incredible potential in failure especially the potential for growth. Institutions like the offices of education could only expect to grow from the influx of thousands of failing students recommended by the, the failing districts, and the potential for profit was limited at that point. It became 
one of the biggest scams ever perpetrated on the American people who were left with the bill. Why is our nation failing to educate our youth? To further illustrate the point, it's this. We are allowing the government to fail, to take us from our right to do the job ourselves and continue to pay the bill. Put it this way, if you had a tutor who didn't help your child improve, would you still pay the bill for that tutor? And yet that's exactly what we're doing. Why is it not about the learning but about the score on a test? Well, districts are schools, and they revolve around the test. Before No Child Left Behind, most funding came from the states. But once No Child Left Behind regulation took effect, districts quickly learned that if they jumped through federal hoops, they could receive more funding. So the focus quickly shifted from learning to learning what is on the test, and districts could receive funding for that. Once districts were trapped in this vice, administrators demanded the focus on the test. Teachers soon began to teach only the test and even cheat for the test. So the result was a catastrophic decline in the quality of education, which cycled back to the bad test scores. And the response of the districts and administrators was once again to focus on the test through a series of more focus known as the standards. If it wasn't on the test, they didn't teach it. Why do districts care so much about the scores on the end-of-year tests? Money. The bottom line, money. The greater the score, the bigger the reward. Bad scores meant being placed on a five-year program improvement, which threatened federal takeover of a school district. The bottom line, money. Why is the education system no longer regulated under NCLB? Well, because it fell and was replaced by a federal system. That's what's incredible. Ask anyone. I do. Most people have no idea that we have a federal education system now. It happened overnight, quickly, without media coverage, and without the connection of educators, administrators, or even the people. There was no discussions. There was no panels, no democratic process whatsoever. The Senate and House didn't even vote on it. I was. It was as close to an imperialistic takeover as it could be. And if it had been over every aspect of our civil rights we would have a dictatorship instead of a democracy today and that's I think where we're going and people like Rush, Beck and Savage actually have it right was NCLB a great catastrophe or was it meant to fail? well I call it a catastrophe already but the point is that it was meant to fail it was a ruse created by those who would take the right to educate away from the states through a series of mandates that were impossible to achieve and through an allure of federal dollars. NCLB was set up to fail and once indeed, conveniently, the federal government came in and basically told the states that they could disobey the federal law by signing the waivers and committing to a plan that was to come later. The plan certainly did and it was known as the Common Core. How is it that neither the House or the Senate voted on the Common Core? The process is more deceitful than one would expect, but as we know it, the House and the Senate was created to pass laws, not the President. But in order to get around this, the laws that were created in the White House, they were sent directly to the states, and the states were told to write this in directly into their constitutions. So that way they could bypass the Senate and the House, the actual democratic process. Very sneaky. So in your opinion, who should buy this book? Everybody that wants to learn about what is really happening in our education system. Frustrated parents that aren't told what's going on and not what they are trying to sell, 
but from one that stands from within a teacher like myself, from a teacher who is not afraid to tell the truth, to a parent that really wants to hear the truth. Time is getting very short, so the most important question, where can we buy this book? Well, you can go to my website at readersandbooks.com. That's readersandbooks.com. And it will also be available through Barnes & Nobles and big distributors like that. Could you spell your name for us, please? S-I-N-H-U-E. Last name Noriega, N-O-R-I-E-G-A. Well, this has been just great. Our guest today has been Sinway Noriega, and he is the author of If It's Broken, Don't Fix It. Sinway, thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. If you're an author or know an author, learn how you can help a publisher publish you by visiting helpapublisherpublishyou.com. Each month you receive a listing of publishers, small presses, and others who may be interested in publishing your work. This is a free service of The Author Show. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit www.theauthorshow.com. Fill out the form and we may be contacting you shortly. And if you're an author, don't forget to visit Book Marketing, the author's marketing powerhouse at www.theauthorsmarketingpowerhouse.com. We look forward to seeing you here next time on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. To contact us, call toll-free 1-877-955-8800. That's 877-955-8800. Or visit theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show. <laughs>